Hello, welcome back to Books with Brooks. It is January 2021. We finally made it to 2021. Welcome everyone. I am here with my friend Maggie. What's up, Maggie? Hi, everyone. Happy January. Happy January. Almost February. Incredibly. My how time flies. My how time flies when there's an insurrection in the government. Um, <laughs> we are here to discuss A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, yes. which is a book no one can ever remember the name of. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Did that happen to you, Maggie? Everyone was complaining about that at book club. Yeah. I remember the word court easier than thorns and roses. I'll just say that. That's funny because I could not remember the word court and I kept calling it crown, a crown of thorns and roses. And then I would have to correct myself. Um, I even think I might have said it in an earlier podcast episode. So that's humiliating. I don't even know if they were crowns, did they? I guess there, there was a part of the end where I think she wore a crown. So Yeah, that's a good question, actually. We don't see the top of her head on the no. book cover, so impossible well, to know. know. I took my book back to the library like two weeks ago. Did you really? Look yeah. at you, Maggie. Very responsible. Somebody else had it on hold, which was probably somebody from Books with Brooks. Maybe not. Seems, seems to be popular. But they're still uh, holding the books for a week. They're quarantining the books. Oh, so, so that just makes everything a little bit slower. That makes you feel better. Do you disinfect your books when you get them? No. Don't okay. touch me. No, I I mean, I've checked a few out and I also haven't disinfected them, but then later it occurs to me that maybe I should have, but it seems fine. I mean, honestly, I feel like I quarantine my books like out of like laziness because I'll pick them up from the library and then like I have just like I have a stack of books that I want to read, so I never get around to like the one that I just picked up from the library for at least 2 weeks. So, like it ends up just sitting and like hopefully all the germs die. Listen, I'm no scientist. I am not, neither a scientist nor a doctor, but that sounds right to me. For sure. Um, so this is A Court of Thorns and Roses. It is the first book in a series, a fantasy series by Sarah J. Moss. Um, there are four books out and I think a fifth one coming out in February. Um, is that right? Or maybe there's three out and there's a fourth one coming out. Let me look. There's three out and there's a fourth one coming out called A Court of Silver Flames in February. And I haven't seen... Yeah, they're all a court of something. Yeah, that's right. I kind of something to look forward to. I've been seeing that book like everywhere on Book Talk and Instagram and um, Goodreads. It's getting a lot of um, a lot of action. And I'm actually not sure. We should have asked Rosie this. Rosie is who recommended the book. You will all remember from our December recommendations episode. Um, and she has read all of them. So she probably knows if this is the conclusion of the series or if there will be more. I'm not sure. Mm, I don't know. That's already a lot for a series. But Harry Potter has like six or seven, right? Yeah, Harry Potter has seven. <sighs> yes, we should just get that out in the open that Maggie has not read Harry Potter. No, but we can like already like I know we're going to talk about the fact that since this is a series, like um, I'm already into the series. So like I might as well just read the rest. <laughs> Wait, do you mean about about this one? Yeah. That's funny. Like I was saying at book club, like there's a lot of weird fantasy things, like like interesting names that you don't necessarily find in 2021 or like creatures and you just like figure out all the rules. Yeah. So I already figured out all the rules. And so you should just like, keep going. now I just like jump into the rest of the books. Yeah, that's true. Which well, I feel and like is probably the same in Harry Potter too. You like figure out how it works. And so- the others are just like smooth sailing. Yeah. Well, I also think Harry Potter does a really amazing thing 
that I haven't seen other series do, which is that they start off really simple. Like the first book is like a kid's book. Yeah. It's short. It's like a hundred, I don't know how, 200 pages. It's really short, simple plot. Um, It's like an introductory book and they build as you go. So you sort of like sure. get in more invested as you go. Like, and this book I felt like was really long <laughs> from the jump. Do you we feel were... like typically in series, like, I feel like the first book is usually the strongest. Do you feel like that holds up in Harry Potter? No. I hope it doesn't hold up in this one, but like, who knows? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. That first Harry Potter book, I don't think is the best one. And I think like, it's not, it's widely accepted as not being the best one. People argue that the third one is the best one or number five, maybe. Anyways, Maggie, I'm going to lend you the book. So you got to read them. Okay. You got to read them. Oh yeah, it's me. Read them. Come back on the podcast. We'll talk about them. I've actually, I feel like I love Harry Potter too much to have talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> Like, I don't even know where I'd begin. Um, I'm, like, intimidated by the topic, but we should do it. We should do it anyways. Yeah, you'd have to do, like, a whole... You could make a whole a whole separate podcast just for Harry Potter. Actually, I'm pretty yeah. sure those do exist. They do. They exist, and I've listened to a lot of them. Some of them are really good. Actually, one of them, which I'm not going to say the name of, because it turned out... I listened to it, like, for, like, a year. It was a huge podcast. And it turned out that the host of it was, like, a crazy liar... And he had like secret families and his like current, anyways, and he turned out to be like a totally like a horrible person and he got canceled essentially. And his like wife or his ex-wife like took all his shows down out of like spite. Anyways, it was a lot of drama. It was really interesting uh, when it all went down, but now I can't listen to those episodes anymore. So much trauma, but really we're here to talk about A Court of Thorns and Roses. Maggie, did you, you read it because you checked it out from the library, so no audiobook, correct? No audiobook. I honestly, I think, well, I've only done audiobook for one of the book club books, and I don't even know if I finished it on time, because I feel like I'm in, I'm intimidated by audiobooks when they're like, this one's 18 hours long. Yeah, I know. Although I love that. Yeah, I've been mostly like a, a paperback book person. Yeah, I read all of the book club books in in like I read them, I guess is all I need to say, <laughs> because I'm a more visual learner. And I feel like when I listen to books, I just don't remember the details yeah, as well. Um, So it's better if I know I'm going to have to like discuss it <laughs> and like lead a discussion on it. I have to re physically read it. There's also something that like I can't I had an iPad like in like 2011 when iPads were a big deal and I had books on it. But I felt like I like being able to, like, see physically, like, where I am in the book. Like, oh, I look like I'm, like, 25% done with the book. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so like you know where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. I think I'm pretty sure if you do ebooks and audiobooks, there's, like, ways to, like, gauge where you are. Um, but I always think it's fun when, like, the book is almost over and you're like, well, there's 20 pages left and who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. How are they going to wrap this all up in 20 pages? And it's, like, kind of stressful. I love that. Yeah. So Maggie, yes or no, did you like this book? Yes. I would, I'd be like halfway more skewing towards yes, but it's not yeah. a strong yes, but I know it has to be yes or no for, for the purposes of the podcast. It's yeah. Yes. Other, yeah. You, you have to choose or right. else I'll come find you. Exactly. Um, I'm also a yes, but I feel like similarly, it's not a super strong yes, uh, but it is a yes. I enjoyed it. There was a lot of good about it. Yeah. 
it's just I think overall kind of not my genre. Although I say that I like love Harry Potter, which I guess is similar genre, but something about this book, I keep describing it as like Twilight meets Outlander, um, which I really enjoyed both of those series. So I guess that's why I like this one. I can't. I don't know. Either. I've never read either of those. Never. I never read Twilight. I, this is like Beauty and the Beast, which I I've never yeah. read the book. If there's a yeah. book, but it reminded me of the movie Beauty. And I Beast. think it's a book. I'm pretty sure it's a book, Beauty and the Beast. It started. Um, it started as like a, a fairy tale. Like right? a fairy tale, yeah. Like, I think so. like a Hans Christian Andersen or right. something. Yes, that sounds right. Let's just say that it is. Uh, this book. Yeah, I mean, it's just not really my genre, but there was a lot to like here. And it was a really good escape. And that's what we heard a lot at book club the other night. Yeah, is that people were that. like, really happy to have a book that was like, had nothing to do with their everyday lives. <laughs> Which sure. this, yeah, because this month has been such a roller coaster for all of us. It's also winter time. Um, It's like the darkest month. It's like short. It's like the days are short um and i agree i enjoyed coming back to this book in the evenings and like totally checking out for sure so that's good there uh, some of the comments that we got from book club um yeah a very good escape unfortunately a lot of people thought the first half was boring and then i wrote in quotes the elf sex was great i like that didn't really bother me but i wasn't really thinking like I was just thinking like normal sex. Like I guess like I I didn't really pay attention to like whether or not they were elves or fairies. Although like I just imagined them as real people. Yeah. Like that well, was think- part of the storyline to me like imagining who is of what type and how that affects what their character is. Um mm-hmm. I just like imagine them as humans. Yeah. Well, and I think they were like glamored to look just like really hot humans so that works for me that's fine yeah that's good enough i someone said that they pictured orlando bloom as legolas in lord of the rings and i was like "Hmm, yeah Yeah. totally that absolutely works um this book is apparently in a genre known as like fairy spelled f-a-e-r-i-e fairy um which is like i think an old english kind of word that refers to like fairy mythology um which i think can encompass a lot of mythical creatures and i know a lot of the ones that are mentioned in this book are like mythical creatures the but yeah i didn't realize this was like its own genre fairy yeah i didn't either i i didn't yeah and there's tons of them there's like tons and tons of them and so many types yeah but I feel good about reading this one because I think this is like one of the most popular ones in this genre, which is like kind of young adult, or I think they're calling it new adult. So it's like young, like old teens or young 20s, maybe is what they're new adult, yeah. So the like characters aren't. Turn 18, you're a new adult. Right. Oh, is... <laughs> did you just make that up? Yeah, I just made that up. A new adult. <laughs> okay, I like it. You're a new adult. Yeah, so I feel like, so, like, your characters aren't children, um, so maybe you don't have to feel creepy about them, like, falling in love and stuff. They're, like, adults, technically. Like, I think this character is 19, although I can't find where I read that. So It definitely is in there somewhere, but I don't remember it either. Okay, good. So you remember that, too. Yeah, so she's 19, so she's, like, strictly speaking, legal. 
Although a couple of people in book club did say they like felt creepy reading some of these sexy scenes with a 19 year old in them, which I appreciate. We're all in our thirties. That is really young. Like sure, sure, sure. Um, but you know, it's less weird than like, like we've read some young adult fiction that was really about kids, like teenagers, but kids. And this, I don't think is supposed to be that, which is cool. Right. So we always talk about our first sentence. And the first sentence in this book is, the forest had become a labyrinth of snow and ice. What do you think about that, Maggie? I think it's very fitting for January. When I look outside right now, there's snow everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a labyrinth so of snow and ice. So it's a good pick for January. Um, yeah, I think that Meg said a book club that um, she thought maybe the labyrinth was like foreshadowing the actual labyrinth that Feyre goes into. Um, yeah, she did. And that was a real, I hadn't thought of yeah, that, but I, I, I like that a lot. That. I was just taking it mm-hmm. face value. Yeah. Well, I also think just sort of like as a metaphor for like the twists and turns of this book and sort of like the gauntlet that our main character runs is like labyrinthine, if you will. So I like that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good person's. I think it's strong. I like it. Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I thought that it did a good job of painting how like creepy the forest can get. Yeah, that's true. Stay out of the forest. Isn't that what they say? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stay out of the forest. So our main character's name is Feyre. And we know that's how you pronounce it because a few people listen on audiobook, but also, and I've never seen this done before. I wonder if this is common. There is a pronunciation guide in the back. Of the I didn't book. even notice that. I didn't notice it either. And so someone dumb. pointed it out to me, but how cool is that? So you know how to actually yeah. say the character names. Unfortunately, I read it too late and I already say them incorrectly in my own mind. So I'm having to relearn some of them. I think I did that too, yeah. but I don't even have the guide to look at, so... The names are what they are at this point. Like, I was definitely not saying resand. I was saying ricend, but it's resand. Mm-hmm. I think I said it right that one, but I didn't. I didn't say Lucian, right? I said Lucian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. with the sh Lucian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's really cool and very useful. And I wish I'd had that for like Harry Potter. Because I still yeah, say a lot of, of those character that. names wrong because I said them wrong for so long in my own brain that I cannot relearn them right they are they are that's it (laughs) they are what they are uh so our main character Feyre um in the very beginning of the book she goes out into the forest she's hunting to provide food for her family and she kills this huge wolf and she kind of thinks like is this wolf a fairy Uh, like he might be but he looks just like a regular wolf and like I could really use the meat I could really use the fur also he might kill me So she kills him. She shoots him with an arrow and then I think she stabs him or something and she kills this wolf. And then she sells the wolf pelt in town and she gets a bunch of money to like feed her family. She has two sisters and a dad and they're like destitute. They're very poor. Um, But then she really, really agonizes kind of the rest of the book over the killing of this wolf, which we later find out is is a fairy or was a fairy um, and was a fairy like who was friends with the fairy she like later becomes involved with. And she feels really, really guilty about that. And I bring it up because I just don't think she should. No. (laughs) Like I don't, for me, I was like, well, why do you feel guilty about this? Like it was fine. You didn't know. Like, how could you have known? It might've killed her. And she had to feed her family. 
Right. I don't- yeah. And I felt like that. So when I brought this up at book club, it sort of set us off onto a real tangent about a lot of inconsistencies in like kind of character, like motivations and character behaviors in this book that we were all frustrated by. And, and I think that's a good example of one of them. Another example is like just this like really, really strong drive that Feyre has to return to her family, even though like they don't like her and they're really poor and like she had a horrible life. But for some reason, she's like very intent on going back to them because she feels like she owes them something. She made this like promise to her mother on her deathbed. Which, maybe this is a personal thing for me, I'm just now thinking about this, is that I think deathbed promises, absolutely worthless. Once you die, you don't get to have a say anymore. No, you're dead now, and you're not going to know either way, so what does it matter? That said, I've never made a deathbed promise, and perhaps I would feel differently if I did. Yeah, I just think that he is not, like, a strong character. Like, I didn't, I... Felt like she only felt bad about killing the wolf after everyone else told her to feel bad. And, like, I don't know why she took the deathbed promise so seriously, but I don't know. I just, I felt like she would have just stuck to her gun. She didn't really seem to feel that bad in the first place about killing the wolf. But then when everyone told her she should, then she, like... Yeah, it felt a little contrived. Like, oh, we really need this character to agonize over something, so this is what it can be. And it was, like, a little unnecessary, like, yeah... Uh, yeah okay okay but returning really quickly to deathbed promises i just think they're unfair that's like a cruel trick yes to play Uh, like i just don't i i would never do one and um i think if i made one i'd be like well i'm off the hook on that (laughs) they died yeah i'm good now they're never gonna find out and the rest of her family was just like really shitty. Yeah. Yeah, she had a she had a subpar home life. All right. So something I think this book does that's interesting, and we talked about this a lot at book club, is and Maggie, maybe you won't be as familiar with this if you haven't read a ton of fantasy, but a lot of fantasy and a lot of like hero journeys um that are about women, they're always like virgins. They're virginal heroines who like mm-hmm are very naive and they go on this journey and they usually find their love. And there's tons of books like this. And Twilight is obviously an excellent example. Um, But this book didn't do that. She's not a virgin, but before she meets like our love interest in the book. And that's really explicit. Yeah, she had like a friend with a literally a friend with benefits named like a local village boy who she had sex with in a barn. No, she had a friend with benefits. Yeah. And I think I think yeah, I mean I thought it was um kind of a cool thing to do just in terms of like you know, evolving you know, sexual norms for new adults or young adults or whatever we want to call them, like that you don't have to be a virgin in order to meet the love of your life and like go on this grand and epic adventure. Yeah. Because it sounds like the guy, uh, what was his name? Tam, Tam, Tamlin. Is that his name? Tamlin. Yeah. Sounds like Tamlin. he's had a lot of sex too. Right. So like, you know, that would be a double standard, a double standard if right. like, he was like expected to be a virgin and he's not. Right. So yeah, I appreciate that. 
and tons of books are like that where like the men are quite sexually experienced and the women are not at all bridgerton which i was watching as i was reading this book is like that um there's so many stories that are like that and i really was into this not just sort of completely inverting that and i was kind of into that and it's then this took us on a rabbit hole about religion because i also think that this book has some like interesting religious um stuff in it and i don't want to say overtones because i think it's not religious overtones it's maybe the opposite of that like the human race in this book are not religious they don't believe in god or gods um and anyway i think some of that stuff is like really different from a lot of fantasy and a lot of like traditional um like fairy stories which is kind of cool and i liked that about this yeah book. i agree with that I, they didn't believe in well i think the humans like believed in gods but then something happened and they didn't believe in gods anymore or celebrate holidays yeah but then the people in fairyland like to the cauldron Mm -hmm. yeah and then the fairies yeah the fairies like yeah the cauldron that like cooked the world or something yeah i don't really but yeah so i don't know if that was like making fun of religion at all yeah maybe yeah or trivializing trivializing it a little bit right exactly yeah which is way the opposite of like chronicles of narnia or something which is like a straight like, like legit religious jesus christ story yeah so this is yep. really different in that in that regard, which I think is really fun. Coming up after the break, we get to the sexy stuff. So stay tuned. Hey, everybody. It's Sam Amico from Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. Be sure to give us a listen for all your Cleveland Cavaliers recaps, analysis, breakdowns, draft talk, free agency. The list goes on and on. Give us a listen. Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. Uh, all right, page 194. Let's give the people what they want, Maggie. This is where the book gets sexy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the night of the fairy, like, ritual night, the, the sex night where all the fairies have sex with each other in order to, you know, some sort of fertility um, Oh yeah. Yeah, ritual in the woods. And they tell her, like, can you please just stay in your room for, like, a few hours this one night? And, of course, she can't do it. She can't do it. She keeps leaving her room and wandering around. It's just so frustrating. Because you're like, lady. That lady. Just, like, in general made her seem like really insufferable to me. I think she turned yes. into a strong like female character at the end. But there were so many times like during the book where I was just like, are you serious? Like, I want to like you. Yeah. But you do yeah. these things and it's just, it's hard to like you. <laughs> yeah, I think insufferable is like actually the perfect word. For sure. To describe our main character in the first half of this book she really is she's like very whiny she's pretty mean she's like doesn't listen she is very stubborn she is really angry um yeah she's pretty terrible in general yeah she she really does suck she sucks in the beginning we're really selling this book right now aren't we yeah. everyone read it so um we said we said right up top that the first half of the book is a little bit of a slog and we're still in that section but we are getting to the good part which is the elf sex portion which i think a lot of people in book club were here for and i know on tiktok they are they they have book reviews on tiktok oh yeah book talk girl you oh, gotta get on okay gotta get on yeah that's actually how rosie found out about this book is from oh, wow. TikTok. okay mm-hmm. i'm gonna check that out 
And now I know as a result of reading this, I feel a lot of book club members are getting like ads for like romance books and like even sexier books. So hopefully some people go down some rabbit holes. That's right. And they report back. Yeah. So in this scene, he is coming back. Tamlin, who is the high fae that is like that she's under his care. Um, he comes back from the ritual and he's like pins her up against a wall and like bites her neck. And it's just very sexy and like full of like angst. And then she punches him and tells him like, don't do that again. And it's like, ooh, but you guys like each other. So we're really building up a lot of tension. I feel like I knew that that like that scene didn't do it for me, but I like knew that they were going to be hooking up like pretty early on. It was like pretty clear. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was pretty clear. Well, and I also think that, too, like really they hit you over the head with um, Resand, too, because she meets Resand in the woods this same night and she describes him as the most handsome man she's ever seen. Yeah, he sounded so hot. Yeah. Standing before me was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. That's on page 188. So you're like, okay, well, obviously this is another love interest we're being introduced right. to. Yeah, it was, it was a little heavy handed. <laughs> Everything about the stranger radiated sensual grace and ease. High fame, no doubt. Yeah. So then she meets Resand, although she doesn't know his name. She doesn't know anything about him. Da, 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 da. But then, of course, he comes back and is important. until later. Right. Um, yeah, we had a vote and book club to see if you were team Tamlin or team Resand. And I feel like it was pretty split, actually. I voted for team Resand. Yeah, I think I did, too. Although I might want to take that back. Why? Mm. I thought that the chemistry with Tamlin was so boring. Yeah. It was kind of boring. He was and I also kind felt of a boring like... character too. He like didn't have anything like interesting or like I guess he was like I don't know. I didn't feel like he had sarcasm or banter with her. That's true. He did not. Like that's not gonna be a lasting relationship. Yeah. You know, they're gonna they're not gonna be hot forever. Although I guess he is because he's gonna live to be five thousand. But like she's not gonna be hot forever. So there needs to be some substance mm -hmm. there. Gotta have something to talk about. Gotta make each other laugh, you know? Okay, so one character that I think is worth talking about, and I tried to make the argument at book club that I thought this character, whose name is Nesta, who is Feyre's sister, um, and I thought she had an interesting character arc in this book because she goes, in the very beginning of the book, she's, like, very lazy, she's really mean, she's, like, very greedy, she's not helpful, like, she's extremely unlikable. And then by the time we meet her again towards the end of the book, she's gone through this transformation where she's suddenly, like, Feyre's closest confidant and, like, she's sort of on board right. with, like, taking care of the family and all that stuff. And I was like, I think that that was a cool character arc. But people shot me down and said that they actually thought it was more representative of, like, the inconsistencies in characters across this book. I don't know which one's right. Yeah, I think that we talked about, it didn't really bother me, but uh, I think that this is, like, I know that it's supposed to be a standalone book and not, like, oh, you find out later in the series. But I felt like her character arc, like, never really the arc never really made a full circle. Yeah. And so I just feel like there are still some questions with her transformation mm -hmm. or like what the hell even happened to the family? Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure that those are answered in the rest of the books, but I wish they would have addressed it like a little yeah. bit. Yeah. We definitely don't get any 
like closure at all on what happens to her family she just like leaves kind of leaves in the middle yeah. of the night while they're having a ball and is like see ya so which is like she spent so much time in the first half of the book like worrying about them and wanting to get back to them and then she seems to have forgotten yeah. all about them by the yeah well half. she goes back and she's like oh they're rich now so like i guess they're cool and then leaves. yeah it's good <laughs> yeah that's true she does. they were really rich too they went they went from zero to 60. They really did. So the second half of the book, and it seemed to be a lot of people's, you know, favorite um, part of the book and like sort of, I don't want to say redeeming, but it made it all worth it. It really paid off the legwork that you did learning about the world in the first half. So in the second half, she goes to what they call under the mountain, which is like where the evil woman Amarantha, Wicked Witch of the West, has like kind of taken control of everyone and she's holding them all prisoner under this mountain in in the fairylands and Thera goes there to try to save Tamlin and set him free because she learns about the curse that she could break if she had only told him she loved him of course very beauty and the beast and then and then that Definitely. starts this series of trials and what i would describe as like a pretty like brutal like extremely violent book suddenly I didn't think it needed to be that violent, but that's okay. I was like, I felt like the most violent thing. Well, I guess there was the part where they killed the fairy with his wings off. That was pretty violent. But like up until yeah, then, that part was really sad. It was just like the um, the killing of the the wolf and the deer, and then it was pretty tame in terms of violence until like it's really like the last quarter of the book. Yeah, and then she's like really like kept in a dungeon and like abused and like left to die and then of course the final trial is that she has to kill three innocent people in order to try to save essentially everyone it's very unclear who how many she's saving like how many fairies is she trying to save it's never explicitly stated but you assume it's like hundreds maybe thousands so it's like the trolley problem which is like if you can save you know 10 people by killing three people should you do that right and what is correct and and someone made the point in this book obviously this is these aren't massive spoilers so if you haven't read this book (laughs) we're telling you everything that happens um so (laughs) i someone made the point that they really liked that she killed them because i think a normal hero and a normal hero's journey story the hero would not kill an innocent person. They would find a way around that and they would always get around so that they can stay like morally superior. Um, And that, and I thought that was going to happen in this book too. I thought it was going to be like, all right, you've got to kill these three innocent people. But then she was going to find a way to like take the knife and stab Amarantha and like get around it all and save everybody, you know, but she doesn't. Yeah. I, 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 I appreciate that, but also I feel like it was also show, like showcasing how immature she is a little bit, um, almost like she's really stubborn. Like, like I'm really stubborn. Hopefully, I'm not immature because I'm 32. But like, if somebody's like, "I bet you can't do this," and then I'm like, "Well, fuck you, I'm gonna do it." Like, I feel like she knew that Amarantha thought that she wasn't gonna do it, and so, and I think that uh, there was even a line where like Tamlin looked at her and he was surprised that she did it. So I feel like she wanted to prove everyone wrong. Nobody thought she was capable. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, a move of strength or stubbornness, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that. So she kills 
two innocent fairies to save to try to save everyone. And then, of course, we get a riddle in here. There's a riddle. It's a really long riddle. I'm not going to read it because it's frankly far too long. Um, yeah, and of course, the answer to it is say it with me. Love. love it's always love the answer is always love um yeah the, the answer to the riddle the really long riddle is love she can't figure it out she figures it out at the very end anyways she triumphs but the triumph is not without you know it's tribulations and she's sort of done a bunch of stuff that she doesn't feel very good about including killing those innocent people um she's also right. made a deal with the devil and has promised to go I guess live with Resand for two weeks a month or a week a month. That's literally half of half of the time. I think she like negotiated down to a week, but I was like, two weeks out of the month? That's a lot. I know. And they were like, oh, it's only two weeks. I'm like, that's no, that's half, half, the time. That's half that's your half time. Of your life. Yes. I feel like spoken as children of divorce. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, no, that's way too hard. You no, can't you do get that. every other weekend. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I assume that, and I will say, and I want to say this on behalf of Rosie, because I know she's going to yell at me if I don't say it. She is begging and highly recommending that everyone at least read the second book, that because it really, really continues the story in a great way. And she says, this book is prologue, and the second book is really where you get to, like, the meat of things. I mean, I checked it out in the library, but it's 600 pages, so I'm not thrilled about that, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Very Hopefully it jumps right into action. I've... They've done, they've... They spent this book setting the stage, but then there was good yeah. action in it too. And a love story. You know, we can yeah. always get behind a good love story. That's right. And I think a, a really solid love triangle, I'm hoping for. So it's like, who's Yeah, they're really teaming up. Yeah. So everyone, uh, if, you know, if, if anybody reads the second book, I'd love to hear what you think about it. If we do it, we'll come back on and talk about it since this is a series. Uh, I intend to read it. I don't know when I'm going to get to it, but I would like to either on audiobook or a uh, regular book, <laughs> just reading it. I don't know why that's so weird to say. Just regular reading with my eyes. Just reading, um, regular reading. Yeah, but this book was fun. It was a really good escape. Uh, it was a really kind of a different genre for all of us. Uh, really interesting. A lot of fun things, really good world building, all of that stuff. There's a lot to like about this book. And while it might not be everyone's genre, including mine, it, it was really fun. And I, I'm really glad that we read it. And uh, thank you, Rosie, for recommending it. Maggie, thank you for being here tonight to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited talking about it. Is there anything that we missed? Um, I don't think so. We didn't talk about Lucian at all. Oh, right. Is that a big deal? Tamlin's right-hand man, Lucian. Yeah. Yeah, what is there to say about him? I liked him a lot. Um, I'm not really sure. He's kind of a big part of the story, but like, I don't really know why. Exactly. I feel the same way. I'm kind of like, what was his purpose in this book? Like, we literally just talked about the whole book and didn't talk about him. Right. So... I don't know what that says. Right. Um, he was really just yeah. a sidekick kind of character. Yeah. He had nothing. He had no like uh, bad qualities about him, though. That's always nice in a character. Maybe he did. But I can't think of <laughs> I mean, he was a little but, bit grumpy, but I liked that about him. Yeah, for sure. He was like generally had a good heart. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I guess in book two, perhaps we will get more about Lucian's journey because you'd think he's going to go home now, maybe to yeah i don't know what's he from the night court or the winter court? Oh, yeah he's like he's like expelled from where he's right from. so who knows i would be interested to 
um, you know, do a follow podcast since it sounds like a lot of people are um, going to read it. I hope. Yeah. Because I you are. So who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, Maggie, I really appreciate it. You're so smart. Great insight. Hilarious. Thanks as for always. having me. Thanks for being here. All right. Happy, Happy reading. reading, everyone. Books with Brooks is produced by Mo Barrow with theme music by Jonathan Allen. Books with Brooks is part of the Press Play Podcast Network, which empowers hosts to create high quality professional shows that inspire and entertain. If you've been dreaming of hosting your own podcast, we can help. Email us at content at pressplaypodcast.com to get started today. Thank you.